Tonight's passage is found in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Please follow along as I read. And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant, and said to them, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. As has been announced a few times now, we plan to start very soon uh, our own nursery, our own Sunday school, and uh, we'll be launching a VBS program uh, this summer. A lot of things that are giving special attention uh, to ministry to children. And with with tonight's message... I want to undergird those ministries, those opportunities we have to impact the lives of children uh, by showing to you from Mark chapter 10, Jesus' heart for children, uh, Jesus' peculiar affection for children, his desire that children would come to him and would be taken up into his arms and would be blessed. Now, uh, some of you uh, don't have children, some of you are, are not married, some of you are beyond the age of having children. Uh, But I hope that if you don't have children, uh, that that would be a cause for you to tune out tonight. What I'm going to argue tonight is that because children are precious to Christ, they ought to be precious to every disciple of the Lord Jesus. And for those of you who are single, and you think, well, maybe this is helpful for the future when I have kids one day, perhaps, let me just encourage you. uh, I I can testify, uh, both Jenna and I, that it was actually before we were married, Uh, that we had the widest window to impact the lives of children. But it just so happens that once you're married, uh, appropriately so, your family becomes so much a part of your focus and your own children become a part of your focus. But don't neglect these years, uh, you singles here. This is a special opportunity in your life where you might have the freedom uh, in wonderful ways to impact the lives of children. And how wonderful would it be if for years and years and years the children of this church have all sorts of aunts and uncles among those who are single, those who are empty nesters, those who are never able to have children. Every child of God uh, ought to hold children to be precious because children are precious to the Lord Jesus. And so I hope everybody will take to heart this message from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Here's how we want to divide the text. Four headings tonight. The first is this. Children need Jesus. Children need Jesus. Simple enough, right? Look at verse 13. And they were bringing children to him, that is Jesus, that he might touch them. Now let's stop there. What does it mean that these children were being brought to Jesus? Why were these children being brought to Jesus? Well, in Mark's gospel, if you're familiar uh, with Mark's account of the life and ministry of Jesus, you might know that a large feature of that gospel is people being brought to Jesus for various reasons. In some cases, for healing. In some cases, for cleansing. In some cases, to have uh, a demon cast out. Uh, but whatever the reason was, the expectation was that D- Jesus had both the power and the willingness to give a touch of blessing, whether that was healing or cleansing or whatever it might be. Many were brought to Jesus uh, in, in mass numbers to experience blessing and power from his hand. But you see, any miraculous healing or cleansing that Jesus performed during his earthly ministry uh, was, was wonderful in and of itself to bring about physical healing. But ultimately, each uh, account we have of healing and cleansing in Mark's gospel, it's ultimately a sign of what Jesus was prepared to do for all those who enter his kingdom. 
and to all those who wish to come to Christ, and that is that he was prepared to give spiritual healing to any who would come to him. Jesus was prepared to heal the soul of every sinner that came to him in repentance and faith, believing that he possessed the power and the willingness to reach out to them and to heal them. It's possible that these children who were brought to Jesus in Mark chapter 10, perhaps they had all sorts of diseases or deformities or disabilities, and that these children were being brought to be healed. We don't know exactly why they were being brought, but we can say at least this. Whatever their need was, they came to Jesus because they needed him. Whether it was healing, uh, whether it was cleansing, whether it was some sort of spiritual blessing, these parents discerned that they needed blessing from Jesus for their children, and so they brought them to Jesus because they needed Jesus. We see in Mark 10, 13, that every child needs Jesus Christ. Now, why do children need Jesus? How would you answer that question? Why do children need Jesus? Fundamentally, children need Jesus in the sense that every human being needs Jesus. Psalm 51.5 teaches us that children are born in sin. There David says, I was born in sin. I was brought forth in iniquity and sin my mother conceived me. In another place he says that we're all brought forth from the womb speaking lies. The fact is, children are born into this world with a sin nature. And as they're born into this world with a sin nature, uh, from the beginning, they grow up in sin. And so they need someone to save them from their sins. They need the Lord Jesus. And children should be taught this. They should be taught that they need Christ. Children should be taught that they are sinners who need Jesus. And now some might argue that nothing could be more destructive to the self-esteem of a child than to teach him or her that she is a sinner. Uh, That there is something fundamentally wrong with each one of us when we are born into the world. What could be more destructive to a child's self-esteem, a child's ego, a child's sense of self? And I'm actually very sensitive Uh, to that concern. Uh, But however, I contend on the foundation of the Scriptures that there can be nothing more irresponsible, nothing more unloving, nothing more destructive to the soul of a child than to withhold from that child the information that could lead him or her to find salvation in Jesus Christ. I wish as much as anyone that we didn't live in a fallen world. I wish as much as anyone that we weren't born in sin. Uh, But these are the facts In the words of John Adams, our second president, facts are stubborn things. Whatever might be the desires of our hearts, the dictates of our passions and our inclinations, nothing can alter the state of facts. Uh, We want to convey to children a realistic worldview. We're born in sin, but it doesn't end there. There is salvation for sinners. There is Christ who is offered to children. And though these children need uh, Jesus, they can find him. Though they are sinners, they can be rid of their sin. And children ought to be taught that they need Jesus if ever they're going to find him. That's why these children in Mark 10, 13 were brought to Jesus. Because their parents discerned that their children needed to see Jesus for themselves. And they needed to know his healing touch. I was talking with Robert Fisher. Some of you know him. Uh, He's a large part of this work, an elder at Grace Reformed Baptist Church. And we were talking this week over coffee about this text in Mark 10. And he shared a really special insight that I just want to share with you, especially those of you who are parents or anticipate becoming parents one day. Uh, He made the point from Mark 10 that perhaps there are times as parents 
uh, when children should be pressed with the urgency of repenting and believing and coming to Christ, and they should be told about the wrath of God and about hell and, and the urgency of coming to the Lord Jesus. Uh, but Pastor Fisher just made the point that one of the things we need to labor to do with our children is to actually show them Jesus. Uh, that these children needed to come and see Jesus for themselves. And what we need to hold forth for children is the beautiful picture of who Jesus is in the scriptures. Sure, they should be pressed with a need to repent and believe, but let's not neglect to show them who Christ is and show them how wonderful he is and what he can do for sinners. And then at the appropriate time to press them with the urgent call of the gospel uh, to come to Christ in repentance and faith. Well, now secondly... First, we've seen that children need Jesus. Now, secondly, according to our text, children ought to have access to Jesus. Look again at verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. A list of things that causes Jesus to become indignant is actually very small. Jesus, uh, at least as far as we're told in the Gospels, was not given over to temper tantrums. He didn't just fly off the handle. Uh, he didn't lose his cool or explode for no reason. But there were a few things, if you read through the Gospels, that really animated Jesus. See the word indignant here in our text? Verse 14, but when Jesus saw that the disciples were rebuking these children or these parents that were bringing their children, he became indignant. You see that in verse 14, that's in the ESV. This is actually the only time that this word is used with reference to Jesus. Now, it's only used a few other times in the Bible, but usually with reference to others. It's the only time it's used with reference to Jesus. Ironically, one of the only other times this word is used is in Matthew 21, verses 15 through 16. And there it says that the scribes and the high priests were indignant. Do you know why they were indignant? Because they were in the temple, and because there were children worshiping Jesus and saying, Hosanna in the highest. And these scribes and Pharisees and the chief priests, they saw this spectacle, this scandal, these little children uh, singing and worshiping Jesus, and they became indignant. What an irony. Uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they become indignant when they see children coming to Jesus. Jesus becomes indignant when people presume to withhold children from Jesus. He becomes indignant when people try to restrict access to Jesus. He wants children to come to him. He wants children to have access to him. He wants to have praise from the lips of little ones. He wants them to proclaim praise to the Lord Jesus. Jesus' opponents are indignant that he would permit the scandal of children coming to him. Jesus is indignant that any would try to withhold children from doing the same Mark 10, 13 through 14 teaches us that children ought to have access to Jesus. All obstacles should be removed. And in fact, Jesus reserves some of his sternest threats for those who would seek to mislead a child or withhold a child from coming to Christ. If you would, turn over to Matthew chapter 18. Just uh, one book over to Matthew chapter 18. Keep a finger in Mark 10 if you would. We'll be turning back there in a moment. I'd like to read two verses from Matthew chapter 18. Let's read verses 5 through 6. Jesus said this, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Now listen to the threat. 
But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. What is Jesus saying? If someone would cause a child to stumble, if someone would somehow present an obstacle from a child uh, receiving the kingdom and coming to faith in the Lord Jesus, he says it's better that that person be drowned in the midst of the sea than that they would create an obstacle for any sort of child for receiving Jesus. The Bible ascribes more dignity to children Mm -hmm. than any other religion Mm. and any other worldview. In Jesus' day and in places all over the world, children were seen as second-class citizens. Uh, They were the feeble and the weak and the oppressed in society. And even today, so often children are viewed as simply an inconvenience. Uh, They're not ascribed the same dignity that we might ascribe to an adult. Listen to what R.T. France says in writing on this text. He says this, Children matter in the kingdom of heaven, which can be entered only by those who are like children, and where those of the lowest status are the great ones. The way is to be cleared of all obstacles. Children can approach Jesus in the confidence that he will receive them. And he doesn't want anything to hinder them from coming to him. And he will not fail to hold responsible all those who would seek to hinder children from coming to Jesus. You kids here, there's no reason why you can't come to Jesus. There's nothing in your way. You don't have to wait until you're a grown up. You don't have to wait until you memorize large passages of scripture or the catechism. You can come to Jesus right now as a little child. Well, now thirdly, we've seen that children need Jesus. Secondly, we saw that children ought to have access to Jesus. Now thirdly, children can have faith in Jesus. Look at verse 14 of Mark chapter 10. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. What does Jesus mean when he says, whoever does not receive the kingdom like a child does not enter it? What does it mean to receive the kingdom of God like a child? Let me ask you to turn once again to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18 sheds light on what it means to receive the kingdom as a little child. And this time we want to read verses 1 through 4. Matthew 18 verses 1 through 4. What does it mean to receive the kingdom like a little child? Matthew 18 verses 1 through 4. At that time... The disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Listen to me, true faith is always childlike faith. True faith in the life of a child, true faith in the life of an adult, true faith uh, for someone in their 80s is always childlike faith. You never grow past childlike faith. The childlike faith that God gave you when you first believed is the childlike faith with which you'll look to him in your dying moments. You will come to him then as the little child you were when you came to him whenever it was that you first believed. We ought never to become too sophisticated or too grown up for humble, childlike faith. We never stop coming to Jesus as little children. I've told you before, I was converted as a little child. I was 10 years old when I was converted. 
And I didn't know a lot about theology. I could not have explained to you the hypostatic union. Uh, I had never read the 1689 London Baptist Confession. I didn't know a whole lot. But what I did know when I first came to Christ was that I felt naked and I needed clothing. I knew that I was thirsty and I needed living water. I knew that I was so hungry in my soul and needed true bread from Christ. I knew that I was weary and heavy laden and that Jesus promised rest. I was 16 years ago. You know what my experience was this week? I felt that I was naked and needed clothing. I felt that I was thirsty and I needed a drink. I came again to Jesus with a growling belly, asking that again he would fill it with true bread. And I came again to him as I have a thousand times with weariness in my soul. And I, for the thousandth time, for the millionth time, found rest at the hands of Jesus. We never grow past that. Coming to Jesus like little children, trembling with our empty cup, asking that he would once again fill it. The childlike faith by which we were saved is the childlike faith with which we will die. It's the childlike faith with which we'll look into the face of Jesus when we see him in glory. I encourage each one of you, go often to Christ and say things like, Lord Jesus, I come to you as a little child. With humble, childlike faith, I call out to you. And it's childlike faith, brothers and sisters, that's met with Jesus' blessing. Jesus says, whoever receives the kingdom as a little child will be saved. Whether you're six years old or 60 years old. You need to come to Christ with the faith of a little child. Well, wonderfully, if all true faith is childlike faith, that means children can have faith. If all true faith is childlike faith, children can have faith in Jesus. Children do not need to understand systematic theology in order to come to Christ with childlike faith. Children do not need to be able to explain the Trinity in order to come to Jesus with childlike faith. Children do not need to have the catechism memorized in order to come to Christ with childlike faith. All they need to do is feel an awareness of their need, of their sin, and to go to Christ believing that he can save them. That's how every adult is saved. That's how every child is saved. By humbly coming to Christ with childlike faith. All right, now fourthly and finally. First, we saw that children need Jesus. Secondly, we saw that children ought to have access to Jesus. That there should be no obstacles for children. Thirdly, we've seen that children can have faith in Jesus. And now fourthly and finally, and wonderfully, Jesus is ready and willing to receive children and save them. Look at verse 16. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. What tenderness. What sweetness. These children are brought to Jesus. He's pleased to receive them. And he takes them up in his arms and blesses them. What a sweet picture of what Jesus is willing to do for the soul that trembling like a little child comes to him. He stands ready to receive all those little children across the world who come to Jesus, and he will do for them what he's done for countless millions of souls throughout history. Jesus loves, he loves when little children come to him. We're going to have opportunities to introduce Christ to tons of children over the coming months and years. I hope that there are many children that come to our Sunday school program, to our VBS, and that a large part of our life as a church will be to minister to children. It's so comforting, isn't it? To go forth in ministry to children knowing that Jesus loves to receive children. Mm-hmm. He's not just hopeful that they'll become really mature adult church members. 
but he wants to receive children. And so we can plead with Christ, y'all, as we pray for our Sunday school program, for our nursery, for this VBS, for children in this community. We can plead with Christ as the Savior who loves to receive children. Would he be pleased to receive children through our witness here in this area? Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. The Bible teaches that. I'm sure all of us know that song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. Let's sing that. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That's true. The Bible teaches that. Jesus loves little children. He loves each one of us. One verse that's not as well known in that song goes like this. Jesus loves me, this I know, as he loved so long ago. It's actually a reference to Mark 10. Taking children on his knee, saying, let them come to me. What tenderness. What sweetness. Uh, was accompanied Jesus in his ministry to children. Jesus is ready and willing to receive children and to save them. Well, now in conclusion, I have three points of application for us here at Emmanuel Church. Two uh, of these points I want to direct primarily to the adults here. And then the third is to the children here. First of all, applying Mark 10, 13 through 16 to our ministry as a church, Christians ought to give special attention to children. Christians ought to give special attention to children, not just parents of children, not just those who feel particularly gifted in ministry to children, but Christians in general, all Christians ought to give special attention to children. And I have five reasons for stating so among many. The first is this. Christians should give special attention to children because children are precious to Christ. We talked last week about how precious the church is to the Lord Jesus. And I encourage us from Ephesians 5 that that which is precious to Christ ought to be precious to us and inform the way we think about other churches in our area, in our state, in our nation, in the world. Well, children are also precious to Jesus. And because they're precious to Him, brothers and sisters, they ought to be precious to us who profess to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, Christians should give special attention to children because children are vulnerable. Children are vulnerable. Uh, children aren't just vulnerable in faraway parts of the world. They're vulnerable uh, in this part of the United States. Children are weak. Children are dependent. Uh, children are little. And children are the subjects of abuse. And they're vulnerable in our culture. And those who are called to have a heart for those who are oppressed, those who are weak, those who cannot help themselves, those who don't know their left hand from their right, we ought to have compassion for children. Because children are vulnerable. Listen, I recognize we've said this in different contexts in our meetings. The whole issue of social justice and how to minister to those who are oppressed and in need in our culture today is a very complex subject. I mean, who ought to be the objects of our love and our peculiar attention uh, as God's people? That's not always easy to answer. It's very easy to answer with respect to children. 
Children definitely fall in the category of those who are vulnerable and those who need to be ministered by the church of Jesus Christ. If there is anyone who deserves our attention as those who are oppressed, it's oppressed children. It's those who are vulnerable. But thirdly, why we should give special attention to children, because so many children in our culture, I'm talking Winston-Salem, North Carolina, so many children go unloved and uncared for. So many children go unloved and uncared for. Uh, Parents who view their children as an intrusion upon their freedom. Uh, Parents who view their kids as an inconvenience. Uh, Children who are abused at the hands of parents or people in their lives. Uh, So many children go unloved. And uncared for. So many orphans in the world. So many kids in foster care. Children, or excuse me, Christians ought to have a heart for such children. Now remember one of the, one of the benefits of being in ministry is that you usually get to take Mondays off. Which is a blessing and a curse. Because on Saturday when everybody's playing, getting together and having barbecues, you're preparing your sermon. Okay? But on Mondays, uh, the places you might go for recreation aren't crowded. Okay? And so my wife and I, before we lived in our house, uh, a magazine drive, we lived in an apartment complex off of 3rd Street in Mebane, a little, little Fieldstone apartment. And on Mondays, I'd go down to the pool during this time of the year, during the summer, and uh, there'd be like no one there. And I'd just have my book and read and all that. I remember one day, uh, a family came. It was a woman, two children, and uh, who, a man who I think was their, their grandfather. It was either the mother's father or their husband's father. And... Um, I, I wish that no child in this church would ever be spoken to the way those adults spoke to those children. It broke my heart. And I had to wonder if these children had ever heard the words, I love you. I mean, these adults were cursing at these children. They were smacking these children. I felt the righteous uh, uh, indignation to intervene and to say something to these adults. So many children experience that kind of abuse. So many children go unloved and uncared for. And perhaps we're not in a position where with our hands and our feet we can intervene and help. But we should pity still. And they should have our prayers. They should have our love. It's quite possible uh, that we'll have children in our Sunday school and our VBS who are in situations like that. May we be motivated as disciples of Christ to show children the sort of love Jesus showed them. Mark 10. A fourth reason. One perhaps you haven't thought of. That's that most of God's people today and throughout history were converted as children. Most of God's people today and throughout history were converted as children. Perhaps many of you here were converted as children. I was at a a conference a few months ago. And uh, Mark Dever was leading the conference. Some of you know him. And uh, he likes to have different folks stand up and sit down to get a sense of who's in the audience. He'll ask them questions and all of that. And he had everyone in the room stand, about 1,500 to 2,000 people. And he said, okay, if you were converted under the age of 18, sit down. Easily 85 to 90% of the people in that room sat down. And he said, we see this everywhere we go. And he said, the lesson to take from this is just how important ministry to children is. Hmm. For whatever reason, God is pleased to convert the young if he converts at all. Hmm. Now, it's wonderfully true that the Lord is pleased to convert adults. But so many of God's people throughout history were saved as little children. And so that should motivate us, that there's sort of this special grace that seems to be given by God in ministry to children, to reach out to them and to share the gospel with them. That shouldn't be a deterrent to ministry to adults and to encourage us in evangelism to adults, but we should recognize the fact that so often God is pleased to save children. Fifthly and finally, 
Our children, if God is pleased to save them, represent the next generation of Christ's servants. Not to sound cheesy, but children really are the future. They are the future. Uh, They are the next generation in Christ. And my hope is that through the ministry of this church, other churches in this area, the Lord Jesus will be raising up the next generation of warriors for Christ. Men and women of the faith who will march under the flag of Christ our captain and will take the church to greater frontiers than we have yet known. Our investment in the children of this church and the children of this community is an investment in the church of the next generation. And may God help us, even those of us who don't have kids, to make an investment into the lives of children that they might grow up to be warriors for Christ. Now the second point of application, I'll be much briefer now. The church... The church, and I'll say Emmanuel Church in particular, should create special opportunities for children to learn about Christ. The church should create special opportunities for children to learn about Christ. Now, there are movements out there uh, that teach in evangelical circles that children should be treated just like adults as soon as possible. They should be brought into adult things in the church. And I get where that comes from. And there's some validity to that. But it is in every way appropriate that we would accommodate ourselves in particular settings to minister to children. Just like Jesus was willing to stoop down and pick up little children, we should find opportunities and special ways to communicate the love of Christ to children. And frankly, that's why we have a Sunday school. We want to have a Sunday school for kids. That's a special opportunity where the truths that are preached on a Sunday morning worship service, though they may not be quite as accessible, there's an opportunity just with kids where we could communicate the gospel in accessible ways for children. Uh, Not that we're not going to labor in our worship services to make them accessible for kids, but we should pursue special opportunities to communicate Christ and His love for children to children. I love how Martin Luther did this. 500 years of Reformation we're celebrating. With all the demands on Luther's time, the massive amount of writing that he put out, all the sermons that he preached, all the debates he sat in on, all the various academic and pastoral work he had to do, every day he reserved time to teach little children the catechism. I love that. That's awesome. That's a pastor right there. He did not consider it an intrusion on the more important work of reforming the Catholic Church to sit down with little children and to teach them the children's catechism. How wonderful is that? He said, I labor to make every one of my sermons accessible for a five-year-old. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. May God make us faithful to follow in his footsteps. Charles Spurgeon, got to talk about him. He would spend every Christmas, not with his family. There was an understanding that he'd spend Christmas Day with his orphans. He'd go to the orphanage, and 500 to 1,000 orphans would compass around him, and he'd tell them Christmas stories and love them. He gave a little penny or whatever the English currency would be to every single child because he believed that ministry to children was one of the most important things a church could be involved in. Well, let's follow in the example of our great brothers from church history. But now thirdly and finally, I want to talk to you children, not just the ones who are under the age of 18, but every child in this room who needs to come to Jesus with childlike faith. You can come to Jesus now and expect that he will receive you as a little child. It could be that some of us here really need to do that. To come to Christ and say, Lord Jesus, I feel like a vulnerable, weak, little child. I'm ashamed. I'm not strong. I don't have lots of resources. I don't 
know all sorts of things, but Lord, I need you. Like a little child, I humbly come to you. And I cast myself on you. And I, with fresh, childlike faith, come to you. And for some of you, you need to do that for the first time. To come to Jesus as a little child. Psalm 131 says, I, My heart is not haughty. I don't concern myself with great things, things that I can't understand. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Listen, the soul who comes to Jesus... Like a little child, he will not despise. He will receive you like a little child. And he is pleased to bless and meet that childlike faith with blessing and with salvation. So I encourage each one of you in these moments now to go to Jesus as a child and ask again that he would receive you with childlike faith. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we do come to you as little children. As those who do not know the complexities of the universe, those who cannot contemplate the mind of God, those who just come aware of sin and failure and need, we come as little children. We call out to you with childlike faith, asking that once again, you would come to us that you would satisfy us, that you would clothe us, that you would receive us into your arms. For some of us, as you have done a thousand times, and for others of us, for the first time ever, we have confidence on the basis of your unshakable word that when someone comes to you as a little child, you are pleased to take them up into your arms and to sweetly hold them and kiss them and bless them. Thank you for the tenderness of our Savior. Thank you for the free offer of the gospel. We thank you that as we labor in the days ahead to minister to children, that we can go to them in the confidence that Jesus does love the little children, uh, that he is pleased to convert and to save and to receive even these little ones. Help us to go forward in faith and in confidence and to convey this message to this generation of children. We pray in Jesus' name.